0: All right, mate,
1: how's it going? No, but it's kind of funny that we've just started recording and, and Joe's just handed me this parcel. People can't see it, obviously, because it's a v- oh,
0: the VHL box. Is that international? It's a VHL shipping? Box.
1: And and it's got on it um to Nicholas and Mitch.
0: And it's whiskey
1: <laughs> it's whiskey box in uh, in, in size. So oh, I'm just fuck. I'm opening it right now, mate, and seeing uh what, what you could have had. If you lived in Scotland and didn't live in the US, I
0: think we need to clarify to our listeners and to the brands out there. Mitch and I don't live together. <laughs> <laughs> it's from our friends at Kings Barnes. Oh, that's nice.
1: Now look, a couple of whiskeys from Kings Barnes. Thanks, Kings Barnes. There you go. Look.
0: Oh, those look lovely. <laughs> look that's
1: their that. new uh, new Falkirk and Bell Rock. You c- you you can have a drama. Oh no, you can't have a drama on that. Sorry, Nicholas. I'll just enjoy that myself. <laughs> all right, so uh, here we are. Another episode, another day. Welcome, all our listeners. Amazing to have you along for this journey. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa. Who taught you how to speak? Welcome, all our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Why You are a young Jedi, whiskey Jedi. have
1: <laughs> <laughs> been having issues with talking recently. So it you? must be an old age thing. I yeah, think it's because
0: yeah. people keep sending you bottles of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, I mean, we were literally going to jump on a call and talk about plans for the podcast for next year, but we thought, ah, fuck it, we might as well record another episode as well. So this is just one of our uh, our catch up episodes where we're going to Just shoot shoot some shit, I suppose, and uh, talk about some news because there's a little bit happening in the whiskey world. Just when you thought uh, that we
0: were like uh, putting a lot of time, dedication and (laughs) planning into our chat. It's like, oh, well, we're going to come on first, but we just decided to hit the record button instead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I sat down with our friends at Harris Distillers today, Callum and Blair, and we went through everything. To do with HiraX, so we're going to drop that episode, that that part, uh, that interview in in just a second. But we thought, yeah, we thought we'd just do a little catch up first, mate. So, uh how's Vegas?
0: <laughs> I have not <laughs> been to Las Vegas. I am What's actually, that? I'm currently in New Jersey. I'm heading into New York City tonight. Actually, fun enough to meet a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Mister John Laurie uh, from Glen Turret So, the the managing director of Glen Turret is in town and kindly invited yeah. me.
2: Like,
0: oh, fancy! And I'm heading to Keene's Steakhouse, which is one of my favorite steakhouse. Have you been to Keen's before? Yeah, I have, mate. I have. Yeah, so it's I'm a heading, nice spot. Yeah, it is a nice spot. So I'm heading there tonight to go and drink quite a bit of whiskey. We have a charity fundraiser dinner that we're attending. And there's, wait, you hear, Mike? This is the dinner. And then there's an after party. At the dinner, it's a 16-course whiskey pairing. <laughs> that's That's crazy.
1: Can I just tell everyone how you got an invite for this So last night I get a message On (laughs) our Instagram page Saying hey Mitch it's Actually it was John messaging uh, The two of us on our Not Another Whiskey Podcast Instagram page If you're not following now please do uh, just saying that, uh, you know, I'm in town. I know Nicholas doesn't get any drams. I'm in New York, wondering <laughs> if he wants to come along to this event. So I replied, I was like, "Hey man, here's his number. Maybe WhatsApp happened because he hasn't got a clue about fucking social media and how
0: it works." So <laughs> that, that was good. You ma- managed to connect with you mate. We uh, did tonight. Cool. And out of that, so of all the hardship of me not getting drams, now I'm getting sixteen drams at dinner, followed by after-party drams at the Carnegie Club with cigars which I don't think I'm going to attend, to be honest with you, because being frank, 16 drams is, I don't even know, is that legal to drink 16 whiskeys at one dinner? <laughs> to, to be fair, I want to preface this is by it... saying that John is a guest. He's not putting this, this is not his dinner. This is a charity dinner that we're both just attending. Uh, but it's kind of funny for us to, to meet up and go into New York City and go and drink 16 drams together in one fell swoop. So I'm looking forward to my Uber ride home. and um, Either that, or I'll be getting a a, sit, a hotel in New York City and staying the night. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as for travel for me right now, I'm actually funny enough. I've got a little bit of travel. I'm heading to Michigan uh, in a couple of weeks. We've got Thanksgiving coming up here, mm. um, and on the twenty third of November. Yeah, Thanksgiving. So. Dude, I
1: like Thanksgiving, I, I really miss Thanksgiving I like the way it was like that little holiday Just
0: before the big holidays Yeah yep. it's good isn't it, it gives you like a yeah. like a, a month To prep for Christmas and then After Thanksgiving I'm heading to Arizona So that will be my last Trip I think of the year nice, Just dude. doing a, a little bit of stuff, I might have to do A day or two in Texas but it will literally just be Same for Michigan, I'm flying in and out to Detroit For a day and I'll fly in and out of Dallas maybe, Fort Worth Go and see some of my friends down in old Fort Worth there, put on my cowboy boots and, do you know what I was thinking? You always tease me for doing my makeup. I always end up sounding, no matter what type of American accent I do, I always end up eventually sounding like Bill Clinton. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I swear to God, Mitch, I did not have sexual relations with that girl. <laughs> now pass me a cigar.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know, man. You you did always change it around to whatever, uh, whatever state you are in. It yeah, was pretty just funny. fun.
0: <laughs> used to do it at the end of all the whiskey tastings because then people would be like wait a minute I thought he was from Scotland that whole time <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking going back to the Thanksgiving thing did we not come around to yours for
1: Thanksgiving once and you we and did. Carrie were dressed up in like French outfits with yep. French music playing yep that, yeah, you kind Is of missed the memory.
0: I don't know if that was Thanksgiving I think that was just we were doing a French day for fun so we did oh, was it- yeah yeah we brought yeah. the Eiffel Tower and dressed in it <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd penciled in a little mustache ah, oui. <laughs>
1: oh oui, oui c'est bon anyway back to business indeed indeed um what, you yeah, God, that's good. what have i been up to i i've just come back from some serious travel uh we had a load of uh guys from san francisco over with wayne grant and son, so, so that was fun so i was hosting nice. them up at glenverick balveni Hendricks we went over to Ireland we did Tullamore Jew hung out with our old friend John Quinn went out in Dublin oh, drunk a, a load of Guinness drunk a load of Tullamore Dew. yeah so I'm I've been recovering all this week it's been like early to bed chill out no drinking just because that was that was a pretty wild eight days I think I was with them
0: wow yeah. that, so shout
1: out to my San Francisco crew that were just over here Great guys as well, man. You'd have loved them. All from like really high end. Uh, we're talking big bars over in in San Francisco, the likes of Trip Dog, um, nice. The Treasury, all those kind of places. So oh, really, cool. really cool people. We had a lot of fun together. So that was, that was great. Nice. But yeah, apart from that, man, it's um, it's been all go at HQ Copper Cairn. We're getting ready as we, well, actually, as we put this out, um, we'll have done the Whiskey Talks events. There's been a lot of prep going on for that behind the scenes. Um, so yeah we'll have dropped that and we'll have done that because that's as we record this that's on tuesday coming up
0: When's so my yeah man kern, uh, merch box arriving i need my hoodie and my t-shirt and
1: um, same time as your whiskey mate <laughs> all right well listen like i said earlier i sat down with our good friends at harris distillers and we talked about Hirach, their their new expression um so we're going to drop this episode in this is how it all went down Well, chaps, welcome to the show. Great to have you both here. Blair, we go way back. I was thinking today, 2005, 2006, are the Azure dice? It's
3: mental. It just shows how how nice and not how small of a community is, but how nice it is that everybody then still keeps in touch and can pick up as well, which is good.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Right, chaps. Well, let's get straight into it. You've just released Hirach. I'm pronouncing that right, right? I know there's like a load of... I think I think that's the big thing we want to get from today is how you actually pronounce your release. Uh, did I pronounce it right there?
3: Not far off, to be honest. So the Herach. So get a good at the end of it. The of the year, so. okay. Okay. Yeah, the Herach.
1: Okay. That's the one. The bottle does look absolutely stunning. Uh, amazing work on that. Great juice. I'm actually sipping some right now because you guys did send me a little sample. You didn't send Nicholas any, but hey you sent you sent some of the most important guys so that doesn't matter um but we're gonna get on to uh the liquid in just a second but my first question and i think the burning question of all our listeners is why did it take you guys so long to 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 get this out i mean you've been the distillery came around 2015 i think it was is that right
3: Yep. Yeah. it sounds quite cliche but but waiting for the the liquid to be exactly how we wanted it to be i mean you only get one chance to launch for your first inaugural launch. And I think going back to this, I can't remember their names, but we've worked with consultants, the Three Wise Men, I can't remember their, their full names, but there's a multitude of different recipes. And I remember when they took us through a tasting, so the which you're now tasting is recipe 53 of everything they tried to get it right. So they were obsessed with it being the, possible, the best that it possibly could be. And I think that's probably why it took us so long.
2: The three wise men. I mean, you've probably come across the the name Gordon Steele, um, in the whiskey world. So he's he's been in since the very beginning. Uh, he's he's sort of the the brains behind the theory, um, of our dram, and then to implement that we've got Kenny Gray, um, who's got. I mean, combined, I think they said they had over hundred years of experience, uh, and and sort of Stuart who who follows in his footsteps. Bit like player, unfortunately, I can't actually remember Stuart's surname, but the uh, Kenny Gray and Stuart have been around for a long time and. Their presence at the distillery is, is well noted. Um they've they've had an incredibly positive impact on on what we have released uh and our final product. So this uh this whiskey is very much um the well, well as close as we could get to a representation of an island in liquid form and certainly in, in you know whiskey form. Uh so that that that's uh real focus is is mainly down to their leadership or, or their stewardship over the last few years.
1: I want to come back to the whiskey in just a second, but I want to talk about the distillery first and, and and what you guys have over there. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to the distillery, I think it was 2021. Uh absolutely incredible. Not just for the location, which is stunning, but the entire design of the, the, the distillery, you know, the production, the visitor center center aspect of it. It's so well thought out. Uh, you know, at the time we went and, and we had some a taste of the new make spirit. Obviously, Harris Gin is huge for you guys, so that was a big focus uh, within the the centre there, which I imagine will have changed now. But you know, for our our listeners who haven't been there, can you you paint a picture for them as to to what to expect when they actually visit there?
2: Well, I, I mean, like like a lot of people, uh, I suppose my my take of of sort of the Western Isles is is. Um, slightly different to others my mother's from there so I kind of had a bit of an insight before going up to Harris but the the distillery itself um, so it was built on an area of reclaimed land uh, which the the local authority uh, reclaimed a number of years before the distillery was built but it kind of just became a car park um, for for local people in Tarbert and then when we were looking where to build the distillery um, it was kind of staring at us uh, right in the face this this centerpiece if you like as you're sailing in from Uig from Skye, and um, the very first thing you pretty much see of of Tarbert is our distillery uh, and those sort of infamous black and white uh, letterings of Isle of Harris distillery. The I think the thinking behind it, so all of this stemmed from a chap called Burr, um Anderson Bakewell. Uh, so he is originally American, first came over to Harris a week Fell over the island and he came back for uh, a number of years and noticed every time he was coming back, there was more and more um people leaving the island. Now a lot of that was driven due to traditional industries uh, kind of disappearing such as fishing, crofting was really taking a hit um and it was difficult particularly for young people to find careers on the island and um, so it's it's really down to bar as to why the distillery exists today uh and we were built to create employment opportunities in Harris. And that is absolutely a focal point of the distillery. So we are the social distillery. Uh, we intend to be here for hundreds of years, not just uh, a few decades. We want to emulate that of you know our, our our pals who are down in Isla or up in Orkney, island-based distilleries who are around for centuries, not for decades. Um, and that really is is at the, at the heart of it. And the distillery design, you, you touched on it there, Mitch. It's we didn't want something that was going to be garish and stick out. Um, and not be uh, something that that looked like it was from the island. So even the, the the sort of design of the building is in keeping with the local architecture around the area. Um, and try not to to be you know, too much of a a sort of um, sore point on the on the horizon. We want to blend in with Tarbat. We want to blend in with the island, and we wanted our distillery to feel like it's been there for. For centuries already um, and yeah we're delighted to say that you know we opened our doors as you say way back in 2015 we had 10 members of full-time staff and today we're just shy of 50. So it shows you the, the development of the the distillery since 2015. I think going back to your question as well the first thing that hit me when
3: I went to the distillery for the first time is when you walk in it doesn't massively feel like a distillery first of all it feels very open and welcoming and like like somebody's front room is if you're going into their house and meeting you know, them for the first time, you're met with a coal fire, you're met with Harris tweed chairs that are round about, and it just makes you feel instantly relaxed and you walk in the front door.
1: No, that's it's- that that was definitely the case with us when we went there. I actually remember as well. We walked away. You guys gave us like two bottles of Harris gin as well. We were like, oh, we're gonna go back to the house. Oh, here's some gin for you. I'm like, oh, fine, thank you very much. So. You know. um, but I want to chat as well about the history of distilling on the island. You know, one thing that I was digging into when I was looking at Harris was this is the first whiskey made since the clearances of 1840. So this, I mean, legally, this is the first whiskey made there. I'm assuming there's a little bit of of illegal stuff that's been going on since. But can you talk about the, the sort of history of, of whiskey making on Harris?
2: I mean, I'm no expert myself, but uh, from the stories that that um, have been told and passed through the, the the sort of generations, Pappy, the Isle of Pappy was was a well-known um, island for illicit distilling, so to speak. Um, and the the family there were, uh, I believe, they were Morrison's, but I'll have to double check that, so please don't quote me on it. Um, but they they were quite notorious uh, for distilling there. Um, and there were sort of pockets of illegal distillation happening, but I think it would be also quite important to note that you know trying to grow particularly barley uh, and Paris is very very difficult. Um, it is not an island that uh, is particularly conducive to, to growing that sort of crop. Uh, and indeed, even when you do get all the conditions right, if the geese come along and spot it, you're scunnered. <laughs> They're going to hoover that up pretty quick, as we've discovered ourselves. Um, so yeah, it, it it's it's sort of whispers in the wind more than anything that's been properly documented. Um, and actually, Mitch, you raise a great point because it's it's definitely something that is of interest to us, and and we want to explore it further. Um, but as far as we're aware, you know, uh, certainly on a on on the scale that we're producing, we are the first legal distillery in Harris.
1: Cool, cool. All right, then boys. Well, elevator pitch on production. What are you guys doing at Harris? What's making you guys a little bit different? Run us through the whole process.
3: Sunday, as you would imagine, on the island is is very important. It's still a day where it is for family, it is for religion. So because of that, we really have changes in terms of our our fermentation types and what we have and how long we we do it as well. So we have quite a, a long fermentation. So... 40% 40% medium of, of 70 hours and then we have a, a long fermentation of 120 hours and that just really depends because nobody works on a Sunday so it just depends on, on where we're fermenting and, and when it's going to be for for everybody being off on a Sunday so that that gives us a whole cut point and it's different for from different distilleries is the cut point is done by nose so it's not done by any computers it's done purely by the distiller's nose and taste the way they want to cut it so it is quite a manual and intensive process as well so I think that really gives us a point of difference as well because it can give you slight variations between different different batches and different maturations as well but it's nice that everything is is done a lot more by hand than it is by computers as well which is quite good. Uh, we've also got quite a young distilling team as well which which then carries on from the process what Callum was saying about the island as well so I think we've got Norman Ian who's He's one of our original distillers who's, who's probably, won't mind me saying we will be the oldest there. But apart from that, I think we've got an average age of 25 in terms of our distillers. So they've joined, come back to the island, maybe from going away from university, learned their trade and hope to have careers with the distillery moving forward as well, which is a really, really nice story.
2: Of, of those distillers, uh, one in particular, uh, she's she's going to hate me for saying this, but re- young Rebecca Morrison, she joined us as her first ever apprentice distiller. Uh, she was 17 when she joined. So she was too young to actually consume the product that she was making um, legally. <laughs> but <laughs> she's uh, now pretty much heads up the, the day-to-day runnings, I think, plus Norman Ian has um, uh, I, been, well, he's, he's kind of become a bit of a, almost like a, a brand ambassador himself. He was off in Paris recently. Uh, which was was quite uh amazing he was, he was getting to do whiskey live out there um and he, he did note uh, at our launch that uh on that day he realized he was old enough to be the father of pretty much every single other distiller and um, so it does show you that the age uh, range within our team there um
1: let's get on to the whiskey lads so um I mean like I said, Looks stunning. I love the way it's just been blown up. Uh, everyone's been going absolutely crazy about it. I was just on your website before we started doing this interview, and I see everything is now sold out online. I'm assuming that's the case up at the distillery and most shops as well now. But I've I've actually got a little dram in front of me. And, um, you know, when you guys sent me this, it was interesting to see. You're looking at First Full X bourbon casks, Oloroso and Fino Sherry Butts. So lightly peated, uh, 12 part, twelve to 15 parts per mowing here, 46% ABV, no chill filtration and natural colour, no age statement on this as well.
3: 85% of it's first of all bourbon from Heaven Hill and Buffalo Trace. We do have some Woodward Reserve tasks that the initial plan was to involve them in as well, but because they're washed that extra time, we just felt the flavour profile wasn't exactly where we wanted for our first release. So... Woodford Reserve cast will be introduced into the head of probably from 2025, maybe 2026. We then have 11% Oloroso, Spanish oak Butts, and then 4% Fino, which just really marries everything together. So looking at the batch system has probably caused a little bit of confusion from people as well. I mean, the batch system, we launched batches one to eight online at our, and on a distillery on launch day. And the batch system is really just the marrying time of what's happened. So we marry it together for for a minimum of twelve weeks, and because of the size of of the marrying tank, that's why we have the different batches. So there is really not much difference between the batches. I think it's just a number. I think because of the time that it took us to bottle it, different again. The change parts didn't arrive in time for us to actually be able to put these through the run. So every single bottle of the Hera was hand filled, hand labeled, and hand corked, which is a very long intensive period and because of that probably as you go up the batches if you look at batches seven and eight you're probably looking at marrying time of maybe 18 to 20 weeks instead of 12 13 for batches one and two so that's the only real difference between the batches as well
1: taste notes it's you know like we said 12 to 15 parts per million so there's that there's that faint i'd say hint of smoke it's almost like you're um like there's a lot of fires going on around here where i live you know, and you walk outside sometimes, someone's got their, their chimney going, and it's it's just there in the background, but it's not very dominant. Definitely that punch of vanilla I'm getting through. Maybe a little bit of ginger on the nose. You guys agree with that? Yeah,
3: definitely. For me, it really changes, I think, on the smell. you For me, I get marzipan, you get real sweetness, you get the, the vanilla and the, the butterscotch you would get from bourbon. But I think generally as I taste it, it's, I get different flavours coming through all the time. Gingerbread is definitely one of them as well. And I think really just, for me, Fino is not, I've not drank a lot of Fino matured whiskey stock, but for me, it just really kind of rounds everything and brings everything together, I think, which which really helps.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the palate, I'm getting like a nice sort of nuttiness, um, almost like a creaminess going on, which mm. I really enjoy in whiskeys actually. So that's a good thing for me. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 really bright. You get that smokiness coming through, but it's not really punchy it's not like a you know I love full on smoke it's just a gentle smoke what's next for for I of Harris what you guys got in the pipeline anything you can share when's the next release coming out
3: so next release will be around spring next year so there will be a multitude of different batches next year as well I think we just need to work on the final number of what it's going to be but batch 9, 10, 11, 12 potentially 13 will be available from probably March, April next year. We are looking at some limited editions as well. So I think we're just waiting on the the Three Wise Men and the, the blending team to sign off the liquid. But hopefully we will have a limited edition, fully matured in First Fault holler also next year as well, which should be good. And we've been holding back stock as well. So we're holding back stock so that we can then have some, some named age ranges going forward as well. So there's very much a, a lot of different things happening. The headup will always be our core brands. The idea is there'll be limited editions, but we're open to trying new things and, and looking at things as well. So it's very much the case of wait and see. We don't know exactly the plan of, of what it's going to be. We know the head up will be the, the core product, but there definitely will be limited editions each year as well. Uh,
2: you know, our, our our issue at the minute is the supply and demand one, uh in the right way. So the demand is ex- exceptionally high at the minute, which is wonderful. Um and we are trying to match that with supply. But if we are able to we're, we're going to try and post as, as many sort of tastings and opportunities to try the liquid as possible um, So just keep an eye on our social media pages as to when they might be taking place um, and hopefully as well um, as we sort of you know Blair mentioned our plans for next year as we, as we roll out more stock
1: well Blair Callum thank you so much for your time thanks for being on the show um, I look forward to see you in person at some point
0: soon hopefully gents and uh, take it easy
3: thank you and speak to you soon
0: Mitch, that was an absolutely baller interview. seems like those guys are really doing a lot of really fun and exciting stuff. I'm excited to taste the whiskey. I have heard on the grapevine. In fact, I just got an email after your interview with them today that they are sending me a bottle of whiskey.
1: Hurrah. Score.
0: Score for Nicholas. Well played Harris. Oh boy. (laughs) And by the way, everyone else take note.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. Thanks to Blair for that. And great to catch up with him. You know, like I said, I haven't seen Blair since our Diageo days back in two thousand and six. So great to see him doing well there, and yeah, I mean, fabulous whiskey. Again, one of the a great example of, of a new distillery coming online and and just doing everything everything right over here. Yeah, uh, so fantastic to see. We've got a lot of distilleries to visit when you
0: get your ass over to Scotland, uh-huh. mate. I have to say, on, on Harris's stuff, like see the packaging team. Well done, well played. Mm. Just yeah. elegant. Well, well designed, thought out. Really, really excited uh, to to taste some of the liquid. You know, but from a packaging standpoint, man. I'm I've I'm, got envy of your team. They do a really wonderful job. So congratulations.
1: So onto the news. Uh, quite a bit going on in the news. The first bit of news that we came across, which was an interesting one, is the Advertising Standards Agency has put uh, standards, basically, or an enforcement notice on whiskey cask investment companies laying out new terms by which their adver- adver- advertisements must abide to ensure customers are not misled. Now, I don't think <laughs> this is anything to do with our episode. I think Nicholas.
0: it's absolutely something to do with our episode because we've already <laughs> been told that our episode was shared directly with the team at advertising.
1: I, I don't think it is, but I'd like to think <laughs> that it was a small part. There's a team effort. Kind of what, There's a lot. A what's lot of been people going on? Yeah. yeah, a lot. Yeah, of what's been going out. on? And you know, the Cask Whiskey Association as well. Hopefully, they're pushing things forward, and and they've pushed something through here. And it's great to see this going on. So, just to give you guys an idea on what what's happening here, um, they basically said that they have to put statements on their adverts that make it clear that the risks are inherent within whiskey investment. So as in the value can go up or down, um, they can't guarantee returns anymore. And it also their ads must prominently feature material information that which a consumer needs to make an informed decision on to purchase. So this is kind of great news. And I think the other big thing that I, I picked from this is... Um, that they also have to stress the need for whiskey cask investment companies to be socially responsible, ensuring their ads do not irresponsibly take advantage of customers' lack of experience
0: or credentiality. For example, telling people you're knighted. (laughs) And as the Viscount of Dumbarton, I want to stress how important it is to make sure that you don't just walk around giving yourself a fake title.
1: So... This all comes to play, uh, into play on the 2nd of January, 2024. So great news uh, to see as this covers all forms of media for these guys. So great to see that, that coming
0: in. 100%. So pretty straightforward stuff. Tell people who you are. Be candid about what your experience is. Tell people what it is that they're getting into and the massive risk involved, which is a massive risk. And for everybody out there that's thinking about investing into cask investment, don't do it. Just go and invest into brands. Those are the ones that really matter. So for anybody out there that's got that kind of money, rethink because there's much better opportunities to support the whiskey industry rather than trying to buy your own barrel and pretend you know what you're doing. So anyway, on that nutshell, let's move forward. Uh, Speaking about finding some wow factor things, a perfect example of of how value can actually be found within the brands, not just within buying barrels. Uh, uh, Double glazed window salesman named Frazier, he's only named Fraser here, managed to pick up uh, just the, the case belonging to a rare bottle of Macallan. And he picked it up on eBay for 200 quid. And it turned out to be the case which would have previously held one of only 40 bottles of Macallan 1926, 60-year-old whiskey with a label designed by Valero Adami. So this was a pretty nice find on eBay. Uh, this was a gentleman that was, you know, Loves these whiskey based out, lives in Speyside. Started to collect memorabilia, and you know, as a 50 year old gentleman that basically found this empty case on eBay, uh, down in, in, in England and picked it up, it has just been valued to go to auction. You want to guess, Mitch, what, what they're going to sell just for the case, just for the box that this came in? 10 grand, 138,600 quid. That's the figure Shut that's the been front based on it. Door. Yeah. So they've valued that based on 15% of what the last bottle of the 1926 Valero Adami sold at. And at auction, it sold at 924000 pounds. I would arguably say it's probably moved significantly higher for that specific whiskey. So 130, that means more importantly, one of two things. Either you own a bottle of this whiskey. So if you've inherited a bottle of whiskey, go home, check your bottles of whiskey at home, see if you happen to have an old Macallan with a 1926 uh, label on it, because one, it's worth a fortune, but two, you may be missing a box. And for 138,600 pounds, you could rekindle the relationship between your bottle and your box. And it would add a significant overall value to both of them being collectively together rather than separately sold. So, I mean, you got
1: to, dude, you got to think whoever's like, just they've sculled that bottle and then they've just got rid of the box.
0: Honestly, probably. That, that, that was my, when I first saw it, I was like, who's going to, because you would, one, you would have had to have separated them, right? So you would have had to have taken the bottle out of there. I'm assuming that at some point this was an inheritance. Maybe somebody cleaned out an old attic space or somebody was, you know, had to go in and clean out something from a family member and just found an old box. And just threw it on eBay, not really knowing what it was. It just looks like a beautiful glass and, and kind of copper display case and brass, uh, um, like a wooden plinth with like the brass and the glass on it. it looks pretty nice. Um, but just that level 1926. Worse. Go ahead. Can
1: you imagine if they just found that the box and the bottle and just sculled the liquid and be like, oh, let's just get rid of this it. box and put it on eBay?
0: Well, to be fair. Yeah, and I'm sure whoever sold it for 200 quid is probably kicking themselves as well. Just like, God damn.
1: Yeah, totally. In other news, uh, as of the 1st of November, William Grant and Sons have announced the appointment of a new CEO. So this is big news because Glenn Gordon, family member of William Grant & Sons, is now stepping down. He's going to remain a non-executive director on uh, on the board. And Soren Haig is going to take his place as the new CEO. So Soren is coming from Heineken. He heads up the whole European division there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting one there, right? As in yeah. there's not going to be a family member running William Grant &
0: Sons anymore. No, not, not, not at the helm. I actually think that's probably, a, a, I want to say it's probably a good thing for their business overall to not have a family member uh, running the show. I think it's, you know, they're, they're, they've they're got such fabulous worldwide brands, you know, having someone there that knows um, the scalability, especially coming from Heineken and knowing how to look at the, that kind of size and scale of a business, uh, which is significantly bigger, I would imagine, than William than Grant and Sons. Uh, certainly, from a volume standpoint, I think just being able to kind of come in there and and and, and kind of guide the business into their next chapter is probably quite smart. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, the family are still very much involved. Mitch. you know that yourself. You know, the multiple oh, yeah. family members are still uh, very much involved, sitting in the board and and helping guide the business from a from a fifty thousand foot uh, view. So I think that's pr- it's probably smart that the day to day operations and the, the CEO level sits with somebody who just really wants to grow the business and, and champion it to the next stage in its in its chapter all right guys well thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of not another whiskey podcast as always it's been a pleasure to have you join us on our whiskey journey please make sure you ha- smash that follow button whatever you listen to us on if it's you know apple music spotify wherever you're listening to this podcast it's really important to us as a as a small little podcast to make sure we we get as many uh, listeners and track all of that stuff as possible so it makes a big difference to us so we do appreciate it talking about getting smashed mate have a good night tonight (laughs) indeed 16 (laughs) whiskeys later Keep your phone on silent. <laughs> if, if
1: there's no more episodes from here on in, you know why. We've lost Nicholas to 16 whiskeys. A <laughs> hundred
0: percent. Guys, thanks for sitting in. We'll to you next time. Bye. Cheers. Bye.